0: And welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I'm Stella. We are recording live on Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC at um, Instagram. And so I was just telling people, like, I'm getting used to this idea of finding the new rhythm of just kind of how life unfolds. And often we have to pivot, right? There's new things, different changes happen, things that we weren't expecting. And So we have to move with that flow. If not, we get stuck and really thinking about, you know, this idea of um, as things change, we recognize when we are conscious and aware of it, that, you know, we have to either move and go with it, or, you know, we stay stuck. And what that creates is a dam or a blockage in in forward motion. Um, So the idea of today, and I had made a post on on, um, TikTok, I think, Uh, So my accountability buddy and I often use the phrase, fuck it up forward. And uh, so for the purposes of, you know, other humans who don't use the F word as often, we're going to say mess it up forward. But we talk about that a lot because, you know, especially because we are conscious humans who are moving forward all the time. um, You know, often we talk about the middle and those times when we are in the grind of getting things done and... Uh, sometimes it's flowing in a way that is positive, and we're just like you know, have our creativity going, and we have our um, plans and our thoughts and our ideas and and our checklist of to, to do things. Uh, and then often there's there's these moments where it gets kind of stuck, and I talk about that as like you know, sitting in quicksand, just really moving slowly or not moving at all. And we have these opportunities to think about when we get in our heads. Uh, we think about like. It's not going the way I need it to go, or it's not going the way I expected it to be. And that's super challenging because, again, we have these to-do lists. We have this expectation of how things are supposed to move. And when it doesn't move the way that we want it to, we get really either down on ourselves or frustrated or overwhelmed. And, um, you know, we start to to focus on the negative. And I talk a lot with clients, especially who, you know, have like chronic depression or chronic, you know, situations that they will cherry pick the negative things and they will hold on to them. And they're not aware of it until, you know, they're coming into my office specifically to elevate their awareness and recognize that. And I pointed out like, you know, you're really holding on to these like negative narratives or these negative pieces. um, And how is that serving you? What is the function of cherry picking these negative things? I have talked in the past about how, especially with our resentments, we have picked up these negative ideas or these uh, negative parts of our narrative or our story and, you know, hold on to them like it's, you know, like the ring, your golem and it's my precious and we hold on to it and then we put it in the backpack. And so then we pick up the backpack every morning of all our negative stuff, our old stuff, and we carry it around and it's very much a part of our identity or our personality. Um, and, and so when we can recognize, okay, this is what I'm doing, how is it serving me? And what is an alternative? The alternative is one to put down a bag or pick up a different bag or carry a smaller bag, um, or not pick up the bag at all. And then figure out what do I want to be my personality or my purpose going forward and, a lot of, and I've said it before, you know, people don't come into my office because everything's great. People come into my office because things aren't working. And so when that happens and they're like, I should probably talk to someone like, this is not how I want life to be. Or they've, you know, you know, experienced something pretty significant. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients with, uh, with trauma and with grief. Um, I have talked before that I worked with, uh, clients who had postpartum or perinatal, Uh, depression or anxiety. And so these big changes that are happening in their life stimulate a lot of fear because the unknown of what is going to happen in the future is overwhelming. And so here's that idea of fucking it up forward or really recognizing that like everything that's happened before now has already happened. We can't change any of it. Uh, What we can do is recontextualize it with different perspective. Um, But moving forward, We can choose to take steps in the direction of change, recognizing that, like I said, that river is constantly flowing. Change is going to happen. Our lives are very much forward motion. And so, you know, we can go to the past and, you know, relive those past mistakes or past circumstances or past coping skills or past situations, and that doesn't change anything for where we are today and what's going to happen in the future, unless we recontextualize it. We start to look at, okay, these people, these relationships, these situations happened before now. I don't live, especially, you know, in my therapeutic practice and my coaching practice, we don't need to live in the past. Like, Sometimes it's helpful to get that information and to bring it into, you know, kind of the present moment and how is it affecting your present, but it's not helpful to live in that space. Um, And so recognizing, okay, these things happened and these were the choices that you made under those circumstances. And right now are those choices, decisions, people, relationships applicable to where you are today and where you're trying to go. And oftentimes they're not, but we hold on to them. Again, we're we're holding on to them and and really like assigning a lot of meaning to these things have happened and these these this part of my life is who I am. Uh, sometimes that's not the case, right? Like the the situations have changed, the names are different. You know, the the people and the situation is not the same. And now admittedly, like there's lots of people who kind of stay in the same because it feels uncomfortable to change. They choose to hold on to this aspect or person or relationship or uh, circumstance because it's easier, right? There's a predictability to staying in our present and past circumstances. Um, But as life changes, different things happen. And, you know, then we've got to adapt to that that creates a lot of anxiety. Um, it can create a lot of overwhelm to think about how do I change this? How do I do it differently? And so really recognizing that, okay, when we, when we pull it all out of the hoarder's basement and look at it on the lawn, what part of that still fits today? How does that fit in the life that you were trying to create? And especially when there have been big changes or big circumstances, how do we look at that differently so that we can move forward? And I was reminded the other day because an old friend had reached out and uh, had made contact and, um, you know, sent text messages, whatever. I think about this with past relationships often is like, are you in the same place that I left you at? And if so, what am I doing here? Like, how does it serve me to be in this situation still? Um, Anyway, a lot of the same kind of conversations were happening and um, the way that we had interacted before. And it just didn't fit for who I am and where I am today. Um, And so I was like, I don't need to go back to that. Like, there's nothing there for me. Uh, And so I, I said, with grace and kindness, um, thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Um, it's not really where I'm at today, but I, I, I recognize that like it served a purpose and, and it, you know, it was part of the narrative and who I was before now. Um, but I've been doing a lot of different things lately. And so it doesn't really fit, but it was great talking to you. <laughs> um, and so Oftentimes, especially since I've been back, like there have been these circumstances and and situations and people who have come up and I'm just like, that doesn't fit for where I'm at today. Water. Um, I say that for the benefit of people who are listening. And I take this pause because if you're watching me, then, you know, I drink some water. Um, So, yeah, when I talk to my accountability buddy, we often say like, what is in the past for us? Like where? Does that fit with where we're trying to be? She and I talk a lot about our present coping and what's going on emotionally for us, um, and it's really nice to have somebody in your life that you can um, have conversations with as you are in the process of um, as you are in the process of healing. Right? It is really hard to do, and and that's one thing to think about is that it is super challenging in the moment to let go of that narrative or that thought or that aspect of who we are and who we've been, especially when it had so much meaning. So I do want to acknowledge that Visions of a Blind Woman is a podcast, uh, and it was created by a really good friend of mine and a former professor, amazing. I did put a link, um, it's in my Facebook, and I will link it again in my stories. But anyway really thinking about, you know, when we have been forced to evolve, it changes the dynamic of how we start thinking about our own lives and who we are. And so when we have someone else to kind of bounce ideas off of or talk about or take accountability with, uh, you know, I have done this thing in the past. How did it work out? And then having someone who sees all your parts at the same time, who looks at you and says, you know, I get that that's one of the things that you did, but it's not who you are and where you are today. Super helpful. Um, and also, like, that accountability buddy should hold grace and space for, like, where you have been and who you're trying to be. Um, and so really recognizing that, like, when we fuck it up forward, when we mess up and, and acknowledge, like, I I don't know what I'm doing a lot of times. <laughs> um even though like this growing and healing journey has been intentional, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to fit with the, the relationships that I have currently. And if the person that I'm trying to be doing things differently, holding grace and space for myself is going to fit with another person who maybe hasn't been on the journey with me. Um, I've had definitely uh, some, some spicier interactions with some of the people that have been in my life because they don't get or understand this version of me. And so, especially as we are applying these new skills and tools of communicating our needs and boundaries, of recognizing that I have to say no and I'm not going to show up in the same way that I have, people aren't going to like it. They are going to be uncomfortable by it. They are going to resist your change and your, you know, your decision to set a boundary and, you know really gatekeep your the access to your resources of your time and your space um, of your energy of your thoughts Uh, you are starting to pay attention to your behaviors and in a different way of awareness really recognizing I don't actually like how I am in this interaction or I don't actually enjoy the time that I am spending with these people Um, (laughs) I am so grateful and often with my clients um, you know, as they start to increase their awareness of their capacity and communicate that, it is absolutely terrifying, for sure, uh, because we want to keep our people close. And especially when we have, you know, those um, abandonment wounds or we have those those woundings that have, have really informed how we make decisions, it can be so scary and also it can create an opportunity for growth in a way that we didn't even know that we could do and recognizing that those things can be super challenging when we think about how do I want to show up differently today? There's a lot of times when, you know, the things happen in our past um, and certainly in our present, those pivotal moments where we have to like make a decision to make things different or do things differently. That can be terrifying it can be stifling we get stuck and especially with our old coping like i'm going to go back to doing something that i know is not probably the healthiest or the best for me but that feels more comfortable than doing this new thing and so as i'm teaching skills to clients i recognize that that you know they're sitting in my office they're like you know how did we how did the hard conversation go with you know insert human here um and a lot of times they were like well I, I half did it and I'm like, okay, all right. Well, half doing it is still doing it. So what did that feel like? And so they recognize that once they start to set the boundary or set the limit or have the hard conversation, not in the heat of an argument, but in the moment, they started to feel a little bit better. They started to feel a little bit uh, of, of space, of peace, um, you know, filling that time that you they used to spend with people or or do things for people or have anxiety about they started to have a little bit more peace and that peace can also feel scary i've said before like a lot of times when things are quiet when things are good that's when our anxiety starts going because normally when our anxiety is constantly going of like what do i have to do and what do i have to you know get done and what are people thinking about me and all those those ideas and thoughts that we have Um, when there's nothing happening, that voice, that sound gets much louder and it feels overwhelming. It creates a lot more anxiety and it does come down. It does start to dissipate. And then we start to go, oh, this is what peace feels like. This is what it feels like when I have a little bit more time for just me. And often I've said before, like I've had clients who are like, what do you need? And they don't know because they've never thought about their needs in that way because they're so busy and so consumed with managing and taking care of all of these other humans in their life that they have an opportunity to go, I didn't realize that I had a need. I didn't realize that I could, in fact, manage and take care of myself. Oftentimes when we grow up the way that a lot of us have grown up, with not getting our needs met, it is really difficult to conceptualize that our needs could be met. It is difficult to imagine that we could find an, a way to be able to manage that without having so much anxiety or fear. We can recognize that our worth and value is not so much tied to how other people perceive us and certainly what we can do for other people, but just because we are worthy and deserving in and of our own selves. If nobody ever said that when you were growing up, first of all, I'm sorry. And also, it is something that you can give to yourself today. It is something that you can create for you. And you're not going to do it well. You're going to suck at it. And that's terrifying. Especially for those of us who have put so much uh, emphasis on, I have to do it right and I have to do it perfect because if I'm not, then other people won't see me, validate me, love me, or accept me. Okay, that is terrifying for sure. And it's also an opportunity to recognize that you can give it to yourself. When you start to go, I'm actually really good at things. I do things really well. I show up and I can take care of me in a really healthy, good way. Then you're not going to do that external validation thing and seek it out from all of these other sources. You don't have to do extra things for that. And you're going to suck at it first. You're right. I encourage failure often. In fact, always, because the only way to figure out how to move forward and how to do it better is to suck at it first, is to not do it well, is to fuck it up forward, is to mess it up and then get up and then start again and recognize, okay, now, now i That I figured out the quirks on that didn't work out the first time. The first time that we uh, did a podcast, Kat and I sat down, we recorded the whole thing. It didn't take. It didn't record. For whatever reason, it was silence for the 30 minutes that we were talking. And we had to do it again. And we did. And then, you know, (laughs) we called it the flagship. We were trying to like get it going and it did not record. And so we had to start over. And then we got better. You know, and then we consistently, like, I will tell you the first few episodes of X to the Xennial, the sound quality is not great, but the content is really cool. And so as we got better, as we got better equipment, as we got more comfortable finding our format and finding our conversation, we got better at it. I know that my clients, when I send them out into the world with new skills, they totally mess it up. And they recognize that, like, I don't even know what I was saying. Like, it was weird. And then their face did a thing. And then I did a thing. And then and I'm like, okay, all right. But you did it. And so now you have the opportunity to practice that again. And so maybe we find somebody who's less judgy or somebody who, you know, oftentimes, especially with boundaries, I will tell clients, okay, recognize how it feels. And then, you know, practice with a soft no. The soft no is the no with excuses or a reason, or whatever, um, a lot of times people will default to, like, whatever the rule is, rather than just being like, no, um, policy in the office is blah, blah, blah thing, and so that is easier at first, and so recognizing, like, I, I did it, I set the boundary, I'm like, how did you feel after, I was terrifying, it was really scary, and I didn't like it, fair, practice it again, and the, the better that you get at, Practicing that skill, or using that tool, or even just, like I said, creating a little bit of peace, it does get easier. You will get better at it, but you have to fuck it up forward first. You have to mess it up before you can recognize what the kinks are, what the, you know, the nuances of how to do it. Um, and then and then you can find that pace. Then you can find oh, this worked. I recognize that if I if I said it in the morning then, you know, it was easier. Or if I, you know, addressed it before even the, the ask came up, it was easier. People get better at setting boundaries when they start to be aware of what their capacity is, when they start to recognize, I they're going to be mad either way. And so I know that I'm trying to manage their feelings. I don't want them to feel bad. I don't want them to feel angry. I don't want them to feel upset. They're going to have those feelings regardless. So why don't we just let them have it? And also recognize that I'm going to manage my piece. I'm going to set this awareness of where I end and where somebody else begins. I didn't know that when I did this thing, it was controlling somebody else's feelings. But I have, I've said often, especially in the workshop, like when you start a sentence with, I just didn't want him to feel, or I just didn't want her to feel bad, they're going to feel bad. They're going, That bad feeling is part of being a human being and they have managed in a lot of other situations without you and so they will manage even better now that you've set the boundary now that you can have a relationship that's not based on quid pro quo or if i do a thing then you do a thing i manage my resentment better i actually enjoy my time with you when i have not set up all of these parameters in how we spend time together right when i go oh I don't actually want to hang out this evening. A lot of times people will say, I can't. I can't do that anymore. I can't. I do not have the ability. You do have the ability. You don't want to. And that's okay. Really recognizing that you can take a step back from a dynamic that doesn't actually serve you in a a reciprocal way and recognize, I don't want to. I don't want to go to the family dinner. I don't want to go to the business party. I don't want to, um, you know, there's a lot of things we have to do in our lives, but there are some things that if you don't want to don't do it. And then you will start to, you know, again, gather some peace. I'm working on a piece right now, uh, called chasing peace because it is something that I think oftentimes we forget that we have the ability to create or have peaceful moments. Um, and so, Right now, it's just like a list of things that create peace for me. I don't know if I've said it before, but like a clean bathroom makes me very happy. Like at home, uh, clean sheets, awesome. Like nothing is better than like on laundry day when you change the sheets. That that, that feeling is amazing. (laughs) Being able to like sit with my feet up outside and, you know, just enjoy the sunset, that creates peace for me. When you start to make the connection, that brain pathway of what peace looks like, you're going to want more of it. You're going to want to create more of those good endorphins, happy feelings, all the stuff. And sometimes you're going to have to tell somebody no in order to do that. Sometimes you're going to have to set a boundary and recognize, I don't want to be touched right now. I need to just, I'm touched out. And so I'm just going to need some time to myself When you can do that and you can say it with someone who is, you know, on the journey with you and willing to like support you in your growth and healing, that's awesome. You're not going to be able to do it right the first time, but the more practice that you have. And so that's that idea of like messing it up forward. I'm not going to go back to my old coping skills. I'm not going to go back to my old relationships. I'm not going to go back to that really comfortable thing that I know I can do, even though it doesn't make me feel really good. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be present in who I'm trying to grow and be. And then I'm going to mess it up going forward until I get it right. Until I can find my rhythm and pace in doing it correctly for me. Not correctly for the world because really nobody cares. I know that idea of like, what would people think? People are going to think all kinds of things. And 99% of it is not about you, right? It is not my nature to do anymore. It is, but it was not my nature to do like videos and, you know, even doing the podcast, like we wouldn't, you would never see our faces. Um In my practice for years and years and years, I just didn't post pictures of me. Um I would post landscape pictures or I would do whatever, but you know, I I wouldn't post pictures of me, but now that I'm like trying to promote like this book and my coaching practice and all the things like I have become the face of it. Um, I have said to to people that, you know, once I told them I was writing the book, it's very me. There's a lot of me in this situation, but I do recognize that part of my practice, part of my work has fully been about me not everybody's going to like me. You're not supposed to. And that's okay. I recognize that I am an acquired taste. What I do know to be true is that the clients who have come, though they may not have chosen me for a lot of reasons, when it, they come and it works, it works because they're supposed to be there. And so I I know that now, like today, I recognize that. When I first got into graduate school, um, and actually before that, I had studied psychology. I went to Adams State. I um, I really loved the idea of like poking rats and doing research like that made more sense to me, the science of it. Um, and somebody was like, you know, do you ever think you see yourself doing clinical? And I was like, no, I'm an asshole. Like I, <laughs> my personality can be abrasive and direct and very, very honest. Um, and so I was like, no, I, I don't think I'd be good at that. Um, and then Years later, uh, one of my girlfriends was like, "But people tell you stuff all the time," and I was like, "Yeah," and she was like, "Why don't you try, apply for, you know, graduate school, to be a, a counselor, a therapist, a clinician," and I was like, "I don't know, I think that's not whatever," um, but I wanted to be my own boss, and I recognized that I I'm actually really good at this, so I applied. I got in um, and then so like every every day after that, like going to classes and it really stuck and it connected and, and I was good at it. Um, and then I got into practice and I was good at it. I was not good every day and I was not good all the time and I definitely made mistakes. But then I was good at it. I remember too, like, and I remember like thinking, this is actually something I could do and I could do it well. Um, what I remembered later was I was a peer counselor in high school, uh, and then I was a peer counselor in college and I've, this is, it's who I am. It's what I do. Do I do it perfect all the time? Absolutely not. Um, my clients will tell you, especially the ones who have gotten really good and like graduated from their program. Uh, they say that like, I make them uncomfortable. I create just enough discomfort for them to want to choose change. And they are not good at it at first. They are not good at having the hard conversations. They are not good at sitting quietly and managing the asshole in their head. They are not good at getting up for the first time out of bed when all of, all they want to do is sleep. And then they do and they suck at it at first and they only go for that, you know, brush your teeth, Make the bed, you know, maybe go outside for 15 minutes and then they get better. And they do it every day until they are like, Hey, Stella, I really enjoyed spending time with you, but I think I'm done with therapy. And I love that feeling. Like they usually know before I know, although I usually know that like your time is done. Like you, you have, you've accomplished your goals, you did the thing. And so, I know that like, it's not easy to do this work. It is not easy to come in and sit with a stranger who then becomes the person that, you know, is the voice in your head. A lot of times clients will say, oftentimes I hear you in my head. And I was like, what would Stella say (laughs) when I was gone for, uh, for the seven months and you know, the clients who have come back, they're like, you were in my head. And so I know that, it is impactful. I know that it lands. I know that my clients continue to get better and work on their things and have better relationships. They have better quality of interactions with the human beings that they, you know, have in their life. They are better at setting boundaries. They get better. And they get better because they fucked it up first. And so that is your nugget. That is your whole thing. I plan on having a guest hopefully Renee will, will join me next, uh, next week. We'll do a video. We'll record the podcast. It'll be awesome. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, visions of a blind woman. You can get it on Spotify. You just Google that. Uh, that is her podcast. And, um, thank you so much for listening. I did want to give a quick shout out to the top States who are listening to, uh, LX2 Codependency Coaching, New Mexico. Awesome. Thank you so much. California, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Connecticut, Missouri, Washington, uh, New York, Minnesota, Idaho, all of you. Thank you so much for listening. We have new countries that we're listening, which is kind of awesome. Um, so I am so grateful to everyone who takes time to listen to LX2 Codependency Coaching, who listens to old e- episodes of X to the Zenial. Um, it is awesome. And I am so, so grateful. I do plan on as you know, we get closer to the book being published and all the things I look forward to, you know, that's my next adventure is to come to all these great cities. Um, I'm probably going to start in New Mexico first, uh, head down to Las Cruces, go up to Taos, Santa Fe, um, and then move out from there. But thank you so much to everyone who's listening. I'm going to end the video and then I'm going to end the podcast and I will talk to you next week. Thank you. All right. We have ended the video and we are ending uh, this episode of LX2 Codependency Coaching. I want you to go out there. I want you to mess it up forward and do all the things. I will talk to all of you soon. I'll be back in a week. Take care.